is up y'all kevin coon here athlete factors i believe my guest is joining there we go awesome oh i didn't even do anything it just did it (laughs) awesome so kevin coon here from athlete factors this is my guest matt eisen who's been on the show before how's it going matt howdy i'm good how are you well thank you Thank you. I'm excited to have this fun discussion. So uh, last time you were on, we talked in general about training for uh, for triathlons and and not just training, but nutrition and some other stuff as well, which uh, a lot of people really enjoyed. So um, all 27 of them. That's right. Well, one one most importantly, who. <laughs> who's now working with you. One of my clients is also working with you, which is great. So um, glad, glad I was able to make that connection and that's good stuff. So um, today we've got a very interesting topic to, uh, to cover, which is the use of marijuana in professional sports or just sports in general, exercise in general, but, uh, but we'll cover, you know, um, just, that topic is in as much detail as we can. Um, so before we jump into that, just need to cover two quick things. So the uh, Big Climb Dallas is this weekend. So this episode should be dropping on a Friday, and I will be competing on Saturday. So if you guys have not yet donated, um, please uh, please do so. I'll include my uh, uh, my link so that you guys can donate to that. The other thing that I need to discuss is I'm very, very happy to announce that both of my books are now available for purchase on Amazon.com. Here we have the beautiful hormonal nutrition in paperback, which is pretty awesome. And then my other book, The Self-Reliant Diet, that teaches you how to calculate your calorie needs as well as the macros and how to set up... uh, Calorie maintenance, calorie surplus, calorie deficit, etc. So you can get those on Amazon.com right now in paperback and Kindle format. So with that being said, let's go ahead and dive in. So weed in sports. Are there any pros or is it all cons? <laughs> yeah, asking me. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, <clears throat> I mean, obviously, they're pros or 80% of NBA players wouldn't self-report that they smoke <laughs> marijuana on a regular basis. I think it's something like 60 or 70% of NFL players self-report that they do. Um, I think the two biggest pros and probably the two reasons or two biggest reasons that it's used to say, oh, well, this could border on a PED or performance-enhancing drug are pain relief. So pain management and stress management, sleep mm. quality, uh, relaxation. So if you're a professional athlete, um, you usually spend your most of your life sore or uh, if you have a chronic occurring injury. I mean, we touched on football and basketball and more contact sports, but for endurance sports, it's the same thing. Um, like muscles are aching at night and you just want some relief, uh, THC or marijuana is almost instant relief of little aches and pains. And then um, another huge one that people don't talk a whole lot that I think is 
probably the most beneficial for the most athletes is the stress relief and the stress management. Um, from day to day, if you're anxiety management to um, athletes, particularly endurance athletes, tend to be pretty type A. I think we talked about this the last time. Mm-hmm. Kevin did a podcast and lots of times those type A people have analysis by paralysis. I mean, paralysis by analysis. Yes. <laughs> and uh, um, THC marijuana can definitely help them relax. I mean, that's the big joke with it, is it does just help people relax and makes them kind of lazy. But at 8 or 9 p.m. the night before a race or the night before a big workout, like, that's pretty beneficial for most people, I would think. Hmm. So I think that kind of lays out a, a decent plan for us to kind of to kind of work and talk through. Um, so before we kind of dive into some of those a little bit deeper, um, for those who uh, maybe are a little less familiar with like the whole biochemistry related to uh, to cannabis, um, and we're not going to go into too much depth, mostly because I don't know a ton, and also because I think most people would find that boring. But the basics. Uh, are that the human body itself produces endogenously its own cannabinoids, which, um, especially during and after exercise, are often what people uh, attribute the uh, the runner's high or the the exercise joy that people feel after they train. Um, a lot of that can be um, tied back to those endocannabinoids and. Uh, we've got these receptors not only in our brain, but also um, throughout our body. And so the effects are more than just feelings of euphoria. Uh, it, it can it can have effects on your memory, on your emotions, on, like you said, pain receptors, um, appetite as well, which, which we're all familiar with. The whole, uh, man, it cracks me up. Yes. Uh, the office, the office, it's so funny because uh, Michael Scott has absolutely no idea. And he's like walking around. Somebody made a joke about weed and he goes, munchies, who wants some munchies? And it's just, it cracks me up every time I, I think of that. So anyway, all that to say, um, the body produces its own cannabinoids. And then via marijuana or cannabis, um, they can be smoked or ingested, and then those ingested cannabinoids can then have effects on your cannabinoid receptors. And so um, when taken pre-exercise versus post-exercise, the effects can be a little different. Um, so a, a couple uh, meta-analysis that I looked at, the, like you said, most of the data we have is self-reported. We don't have a ton of data where we can just like – we kind of have to go off what people are 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 saying, right? So, um, but in in a lot of the research, they're essentially finding out there's not a whole lot of <clears throat> directly performance enhancing effects. Mm-hmm. It's all related to reducing anxiety, like you mentioned, uh, getting better rest or sleep, um, perhaps. Uh, focus, perhaps 
reducing inflammation. And then here it gets a little tricky because then we have to kind of separate out uh, the two most well-known cannabinoids, THC and CBD, because both of those have different effects. So without getting into too much of that, um, let's get into um, the idea of, of why it would be beneficial for someone to ingest it to reduce anxiety and how that could have both direct and indirect performance enhancing benefits because I'm not sure I'm not sure that's a direct performance enhancing benefit but indirectly for sure yeah I mean sleep quality especially um, when you're in a high training load is just so so important like we all know how terrible we feel the night after uh, one of those random nights where you wake up every hour every half hour and you just can't seem to fall asleep mm -hmm. so THC does and again most of the stuff is self-reported, anecdotal. Um, it does seem to put people to sleep and keep them asleep. <laughs> put them to sleep quick and keep them to sleep, um, especially when ingested orally, so edibles, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that for, I think that is so, so invaluable. Um, just, and we will, as triathletes, as endurance athletes, will spend more money than any other athletes in the world on enhancing recovery. Like, mm. it's like every week there's a new thing that enhances recovery. Mm -hmm. um, and weed, marijuana, specifically the THC compound, um, seems to do a really, really, really good job if taken in the right quantities to relax you. Now, when taken in uh, too high of doses, you hear about the it enhancing panic attacks and or giving panic paranoia. attacks. Paranoia. Mm -hmm. Paranoia, yeah. Um, the Miami Heat just had to land their airplane in Salt Lake City, I think, because Dion Sanders yeah. ingested like a whole bag of edibles when, <laughs> you know, probably took in several hundred milligrams of THC. <laughs> and when it sounds like a lot. A lot, a lot. Um, one, one thing to mention that seems like it gets mentioned all the time is you can't overdose. Uh, you can't kill yourself from THC. You could take in so much that you do something that endangers your life. But mm. um, yeah, when taken in small doses, like 5, 10, 20 milligrams for most people, uh, again, an edible, there are different ways to calculate it if you're uh, inhaling it. But it does a really good job of putting people to sleep and relaxing them. Mm. So one thing I've heard related to that is um, perhaps it puts you to sleep, but it may have effects on REM sleep. But even that, uh, I think we're now finding out that early on we may have been putting too much emphasis on on REM sleep, right? So um, maybe – so the idea was, oh, well, yeah, it puts you to sleep, but it, it doesn't put you to deep sleep. And it's like, well – would you rather be sleeping or would you rather be awake? And if you're an athlete, you need to be asleep when it's time to sleep. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not convinced that there's a whole lot of, of weight to that as a as an argument against its use to to improve sleep. But um, that was just one of the things that uh, that I saw kind of digging back through some data and stuff that I that I had heard when I was um, interested in learning more about this. So um, you know. If you're not using marijuana, are you gonna 
pop melatonin every night? Are you going to take a, an Ambien? Like, like what are your other options? So, um, yeah, like all of those are going to have some seriously negative, uh, you know, effects as well. So side effects, but, um, yeah, that's one of those things. I, I don't, obviously me being in Texas, it's, it's, the rules are different here than someone who's in say Colorado or California. So that's not something that I could use or, or recommend my athletes use if they're having a problem sleeping. But, um, um, but I know people who like CBD is huge here now. Like you can't, Mm -hmm. You can't throw a stone down the road without hitting three different CBD stores that, you know, just opened up last night. Um, so I know both athletes and non-athletes now who are using CBD to help reduce anxiety, reduce inflammation, improve their sleep. And so um, I'm not sure what the exact differences are between THC and CBD when it comes to improving sleep. But, um, yeah, I think... I think there's a ton of benefit to, you know, the legal parts of marijuana right now, CBD. But I, I think there are benefits to, to THC as well. But until um, until that's legalized in the state of Texas, that's not something that, that can happen here. So um, that being said, do you know of any differences when it comes to CBD versus THC? I mean, I, I joke that uh, THC is just CBD that actually works. Um, when you, I think, and and I obviously I'm in one, in of one, right? So CBD has never, I've never felt any effect from it. I mean, anything. Um, so my personal experience is, I have no effect and. I've taken very, very large quantities of it at times before. Just, be, you know, I buy a, a bottle and I start taking it and then I just like, you can't overdose on it. So maybe I'm a low responder. Um, mm-hmm. Anecdotally, people say it works. But anecdotally, people say a lot of different stuff works. So That's true. I think it, I think the jury is very out on CBD right now. Um, mm-hmm. So we know THC. THC is the compound that is the classic uh, hallucinogen, the munchie giver, um, that type of what you think of when you think of somebody who smokes weed. Uh, HC is the compound that causes those reactions. That's what gets you high, man. That's what gets you high. Um, CBD is associated with reducing inflammation, uh, a little bit of anxiety relief, stress relief, that type of stuff. THC gets a bit complicated because we don't we don't know a whole lot about how the cannabinoid receptors work and why some people tend to get more paranoid and some people mm. tend to more relaxed. Mm. Uh, it does have a different effect on different people. It seems to be um, there's a certain percentage of, popu- of the population that can cannot get high from an edible because their liver doesn't have the right enzyme or um, mm. process the THC, so they have to inhale it. So some people can try it and feel nothing. Um, but yeah, THC is the one that gets you classically high, and that's probably why it's the one that is still banned. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like, do you think there's any uh, performance benefit from competing high? Ooh, I couldn't. Like, I could not imagine 
that that is in any way helpful. Uh, there's an argument it's banned by WADA and USADA in competition because of sports like archery, shooting, um, where they say being very relaxed with health. Mm. But I can't imagine. It's also a hallucinogen and it affects your balance. So mm -hmm. uh, it affects coordination. Yes. And the way yep. you process risk. Uh, one of my favorite jokes is that uh, when you get drunk, you tend to drive fast and recklessly because you under you you your inhibitions are, yeah. are lowered and your inhibitions yeah. are lowered mm -hmm. uh somebody who gets high and then drives drives really really slowly and carefully because they think they're gonna mess up and get caught mm -hmm. uh, so in a sport where you don't want to take risk or something but i feel like it's all outweighed by the lack of coordination and mm -hmm. the slower response time yeah, one of the things that I was reading was uh, the the use in what are considered more reckless or dangerous sports. Like marijuana use tends to be much higher in those compared to sports that tend to be less reckless and dangerous. And uh, one of the interesting things that they noted was um, it may increase your impulsive response to make you more of a quote-unquote risk taker without having a profound effect on your ability to make decisions. So you're, you're, uh, you might make riskier choices, but it's not because you're not thinking it through. You're just kind of like able to um, maybe push through some, some mental barriers that you had, you know, kind of holding you back. So I thought that was pretty interesting and could be why a lot of the, you know, a lot of these risky sports. Yeah. I think they were specifically talking about things like X Games, um, extreme sports. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it's not it's not making you stupid. It's not making you reckless, but it does allow you to push through to a higher level of risk, perhaps. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure that would benefit my. You know, most of my athletes are you know, here in Dallas are, um, endurance athletes, triathletes and, and endurance runners. I just, I'm reading everything. I just don't really think that getting high would benefit them. You know, like even like the, the pain management or the pain reduction, I don't think that would benefit them during competition. So no, I can't imagine it would be effective. I, again, anecdotally, I have friends who will say something like, oh, swimming after smoking a joint is so peaceful and nice, but hmm. I can't imagine that they're actually doing it better. Hmm. Um, but again, different results for different people. Um, I just never met anybody who would actively seek out being high in competition either. You know, people who are open about their marijuana use, athletes who are open about it. No, like if I'm high in game or in sport, it's a poor decision on my part. It's a performance decreasing decision. Yeah, one of, one interesting thing related to that is um, I uh, I used to know a guy here in Dallas who was uh, very very much into um, MMA and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and then I listened to quite a bit of uh, Joe Rogan. He talks about it. Oh yeah, yeah quite yeah, a yeah. bit. Within the within the realm of 
of combat sports, especially jujitsu, um, it's like for a lot of these guys and, and gals, they won't start a training session until they're high. And for some reason, um, it helps get them kind of into the zone where uh, they're less distracted. They, they kind of have tunnel vision and they're able to kind of feel they're, they're like hyper um, hypersensitive, let's say. Uh, their senses are, are no, elevated. They've got like spider sense. No, that's, I mean, almost everyone I know that I've uh, been high around has said one of their senses or a couple of their senses become extra heightened. Hmm. So I believe that. Yeah. yeah. So for perhaps a sport like that, that's, that's one thing. Uh, when he had, um, when Rogan had Mike Tyson on, Tyson talked about how, I think this was it, or maybe the, I don't remember the exact details, but um, of when I heard this, but I thought it was on that that podcast where I think Tyson was only not high for like one or two fights in his professional career. Like he went, he liked fighting high. Like he felt like his timing was better, and like he could he could see things one or two steps ahead. Like I, I also wonder with a guy like that, what else he was high on. Mm. Like there's, there's a little bit of, um, when I hear of athletes who are competing high or bragging about it before, they generally don't have the greatest reputations or track records when it comes to other recreational. <laughs> well, it's hard, hard to argue with that. Yeah, it's hard. The gateway drug, right? Um, That's what they say. That's what they say. So, uh, so WADA and USADA have recently, I think, adjusted some of their standards on what they call recreational drugs like marijuana and uh, and cocaine, even to the point where um, if you test positive but you can prove that you didn't use it as a performance-enhancing aid, then they may not punish you at all. Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty much six months is the stricter, or six months is going to be the most common punishment. If you're um, trying to use it for performance enhancers, they could give you two, four years, but I've not, I've not all the cases I've heard of have been, the re- cases that come out as reported have been six months. And it's usually pretty favorable. You know, it's a court system. So athletes can manipulate the system a little bit to where mm-hmm. they put off their trial for, if you're a summer sport, you put off the trial till October and you do your six month ban from October to April and then you compete next year. Uh, um, nice. It's, it's shockingly easy to manipulate uh, when you can get banned or, or when the ban actually sets in. That's why you hear mm-hmm. of athletes, you don't hear about the failed test for four, six, eight months because they get their due process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rarely just reported like that. UFC seems to be uh, an exception because they got to get people out of the fights when they get tested like three days before the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but for most sports, it's a long process. Yeah. I think that's probably going to change to where they're like, yeah, we don't even care. Oh, they're going to, yeah, they're going to cave. You, USAT partnered with a CBD company. 
So this is great. This is USAT on their anti, you know, their USADA linked website where you read about drugs. Um, CBD is in the manual and it says there is no way to safely take CBD and be guaranteed you won't fail for THC. There's mm -hmm. no way to do it. Mm -hmm. And then USAT partnered with a CBD company, and now they sell you CBD at discounted rates. So on the one hand, they say you cannot do this safely, and on the other hand, they partner with it. So there, I mean, yeah. it's going to change. And right now, it's uh, the limit is pretty high. So it's depending on I can't remember the exact uh, um, unit, but it's 50. And mm -hmm. we talk in weed testing normally here in 10, 20, 40, or 50 being the cutoff. Hmm. And it's pretty high. Like that, either you smoke or eat edibles chronically a lot, um, or you are legitimately, you took one right before the competition. You know? <laughs> um, wow. So, uh, shoot, I forgot what I was just about to say. Um, Oh, I was. That's what it was. Uh, so, UFC. Uh, yeah, UFC also is working with, I believe, a CBD company, or they're they're working with a study looking at the effects of CBD on uh, CTE or some sort of concussion or head trauma, something like that. So it, it's really. It looks like it's trending in the direction that. In the in the near future, it won't be a banned substance. Oh no! And when the union agreements in sports like Major League Baseball and uh, the NBA and the NFL and MLS, um, when those union agreements expire, and you always hear talk of player strikes, you know, every so often these expire. I mean, they're going to negotiate it out too, mm. because they don't need to be getting caught, you know, losing hundreds of thousands of dollars of paychecks for a failed THC test. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, if you test positive for steroids, you'll miss a season. But if you test positive for marijuana, they're like maybe a game or two. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's because it's extremely different. It's not the same thing. It's like, it's not, I don't, I don't understand why people think so negatively of it when there's at this point quite a bit of evidence showing that it, it can be both medically very beneficial, but also for a non-medical use can be extremely beneficial for, for a lot of reasons. So, um, but like everything else, uh, there, there are those quote unquote cons. So, um, so is smoking the best way of ingesting anything right so yeah but there are ways around that right so um yeah that's one of those things for some people it it may increase your heart rate that was one uh one symptom that that some people saw again self-reported increased heart rate or racing heart rate the paranoia some people feel like there's a decrease in alertness um, or a decrease in reaction time, but I've, I'm not sure if that's uh, actual or if that's perceived. So, like you said, people who drive high tend to drive very slow and carefully. Is that be 
Is that because they have a decreased level of alertness and decreased reaction time or because they're like hyper paranoid about, you know, causing an accident. So they're going to make sure that that doesn't happen. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. And on the smoking front, um, people smoke it because it's almost an instantaneous way to feel its effects or vape it because it's almost instantaneous. You know, you're looking at a few seconds to five minutes before you have the full dose or the full effect. Um, that's the pro of smoking or vaping. And I think the big pro for why people do it, uh, the big con is that you have to smoke it and smoking anything isn't safe. And we're finding out more and more that vaping anything isn't safe either. Right. So uh, on the other side, you can ingest marijuana and have a very similar high. Um, but you're looking at 30 minutes to two hours after you ingest ingest it for the full effect and six to eight hours of the effect ending. So you've got this like six hour window of time blocked off where you're going to be feeling, you're going to be under the influence of marijuana. And mm -hmm. similarly, when you smoke it, you get high quickly, you tend to get rid of the high in an hour or two. Mm -hmm. um, so pros and cons, but like I said, it's not safe to smoke anything, but you can eat as much weed as you want and not overdose. You'll just have more and more of the extreme effects of being high. Might take a nap. Might take a nap or you might freak out and call the police. <laughs> There's some really funny YouTube videos uh, or YouTube recordings of people calling the police on themselves because they took too much THC. <laughs> they get their paranoia gets to the point where they call the police on themselves. Wow. I can't imagine that. I can't. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. There's one where the police eat edibles and call the police on themselves. <laughs> wow. You can't make this shit up. Like, that's too good. Two off-duty cops eat edibles and then call the police on themselves. <laughs> I think the, the, one of the big jokes in uh, when you first if somebody was to introduce you to marijuana or an edible would be, you're going to eat this portion. And in an hour, you're going to be like, I don't feel anything. I want to eat more. You cannot eat more. Like you have to wait it out. Um, mm -hmm. People have very negative experiences because they take way too much because it does take two hours to feel the full effect, depending mm -hmm. on if you ate on it, if you took it on an empty stomach or a full stomach. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And everyone has different levels of of sensitivity or response. Like so, like when it comes to just about everything, there are hyper responders, there are moderate responders, there are you know low responders, and there are essentially non responders. So, um, and with just about everything, we have a normal distribution. We've got a you know a bell shaped yeah. curve, and so. You know, the majority of the population, what is it, not, somewhere around 97% is going to fall within one and a half standard deviations from the mean, median, and mode. Um, thank you, stats class at Baylor. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> but, like, there's always that, you know, little bit on this far side that's going to respond 
very, very highly to it, to maybe just a little bit, and then there's going to be that other end that has very, very little to no response at all. So um, figuring out where you are on on that is probably going to be helpful to um, if you're taking something to reduce anxiety and then it creates anxiety, then it's probably not a good thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I've again, anecdotally, I've had friends that you would definitely expect to be stoners that are not because they don't like the way it makes them feel. Mm -hmm. um, so it's different for, it seems to be a different response for a lot of different people. Yeah. And it, I always, not always, but I, I tend to think about this whole concept, you know, very similarly to uh, to alcohol, right? That's a, that's a drug, or caffeine. That's a drug. Like these are all of these are molecules. They're compounds. Like they're all chemicals, right? So the whole idea of like chemicals being bad for you and and natural things being good for you, it's all they're all chemicals, right? So when it comes down to it, like uh, is it is it safe? Can it be regulated? Uh, are there benefits to it? Like we're getting to the point where we're finding all the answers to that, or or enough of an answer to that um, to you know get rid of some of these somewhat archaic laws. Um, whether whether you know someone personally thinks that it should be used or not uh, at this point i'm not sure should be the deciding factor to whether it should be legal or not um you know the the government controls all the alcohol and alcohol is you know related to a ton of you know far health more. issues yeah, death far more health issues violence yes i don't think the argument can be made that weed or marijuana is more dangerous or it nearly as dangerous as alcohol for the health of a society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unless unless you're tying it directly to, let's say, the cartel or to... Well, there you go. And I mean, one of and the... And if it's legal... Legal is somebody will pay an extra 15, 20% for legal stuff that they know has is federally regulated and is safe. And mm -hmm. then they don't have to know a drug dealer. Um, the number of people I've met who just were sick of having to know a drug dealer because mm -hmm. there's a huge swath of the population is getting marijuana in states even where it's illegal and it ends up being middle class people having to associate with people that they don't want to associate and they'll pay the premium to get mm -hmm. it legally. Um, I think we're seeing it work everywhere that it has been made legal. There, there's been articles in the news that it's not working in California, but they don't do a very good job of talking you through the process of how it starts, that once it's legal, yeah, we can immediately or within six months start selling it and people are growing it legally, but the demand or the supply does not match the demand, so the prices skyrocket. Hmm. So like right now in California, getting it legally is way more expensive and getting it illegally and that's a problem because people aren't buying it legally uh but wow. it takes a while for stores to come in it's it's like a a liquor store you know they set up a brick and mortar store in your town to sell weed through so it takes time to get those set up to make sure that the counties are on board that it can be safely regulated mm -hmm. uh, in the first year or two 
we see this legal prices skyrocket and it takes a while. But then once the price comes closer to the illegal market, I mean, who do you know that just enjoys buying it illegally? I don't know anyone who buys yeah. it. I don't think anybody Period. wants that. So. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, it, that makes sense to me. Like if, you know, I don't, I don't know very many people who are like, you know what, I'm going to go up into the foothills so I can get me some moonshine because exactly. I want that instead of, you know, whatever's available at Specs or Total Wine or the mom and pop liquor store. Like, um, yeah. So I don't know if, if the, I don't know if these, these two topics are too different in order for, you know, for these comparisons to be accurately made and, and understood, but like, it makes sense to me to be like, all right, like, let's look at what we currently have and let's compare what we know about marijuana to that to see if, um, you know, this makes sense. And like, personally, when it comes to, to a lot of this stuff, like politically, I tend to be uh, pretty libertarian about it. Like, I don't really care what you do. Like, I really don't. Um, it's none of my business. Um, I don't want you to tell me how to live, so I'm not going to tell you how to live um, unless it's something that directly affects me or other people. Then, you know, that's that's why we have a government to figure those things out. But um, I don't think this needs to be something that um, that is decided, like, like, for adults, for people who are who have fully formed, you know, prefrontal cortexes and, and their brains are pretty much set and their personalities are, are at least somewhat, you know, fully developed. Like, why are we so archaic about this? Whether it, whether it improves performance or not, that's a separate, you know, category for, for, you know, the athletics, uh, realm. But, um, yeah, just one of those things. This topic is so interesting to me. It's interesting and it's really frustrating that uh, <laughs> it just things seem so arbitrary. Like mm. we have, I mean, I would I would make the argument that you give me a grande coffee from Starbucks or one standard edible, and the coffee has a far greater effect on my personality and the way I would go about my day than mm. one small serving of edible. So in proportion, you know, I can have a cup of coffee in the morning and mm. It can wake me up and make me a little bit more productive. But if I have four of them, I'm just going to be crazy. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, similarly with alcohol, like it's proportions. Mm -hmm. And it just seems so archaic and upsetting that people, people are in prison for something as stupid as marijuana all over the country. And that mm -hmm. we, um, as states, you know, Colorado legalizes marijuana. And there's still people in their prison system who got arrested six months before it was legalized. Hmm. You know? um, yeah, that's that's a weird that's a weird thing. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a that's a tricky concept to to unpack. Yeah, I mean we this is extreme, but we trust 18 year olds to make the decision whether or not they're going to go to war for us mm -hmm. and take their lives, and we don't trust them with the decision of whether or not 
they should be able to smoke a joint. Mm. Um, or maybe even smoke, period, because I think they're raising... That's going to be 21, too. And that boggles... Yeah. Like, I'm four. I don't... Okay. Smoking's not safe. Like, I don't want kids to smoke. I think it's stupid. Like, you shouldn't mm -hmm. smoke. Right. But at that same point, like, I coach college kids, and I think all the time when I read the news, like, oh, I can't imagine this kid I coach, my friend, at 8 or 19 being overseas fighting for us. Like, it's not, they're not ready. Mm -hmm. But we're fine with that. But they can't yeah. Mode. They're not. They're not adult enough to make those decisions, but we'll put a gun in their hand. Yeah, they're old no. enough to be like malleable into yeah into doing things that are maybe not always necessarily in their own uh, self-interest, but perhaps for the self or the the interest of the and safety of the country, we can you know. Yeah, I just want consistency. Like, yeah. if they're old enough to make that decision, they're old enough to make all of their decisions. Mm. Yeah, it I tend like to. A big one. Yeah, I <laughs> tend to agree hard. with that. So, with the exception of, <clears throat> there's certain things that, like, like 18, 21, those ages, uh, in general, perhaps are are good for certain things, but, um, you know, the brain doesn't tend to be fully formed until closer 25, 26, 27. Yeah. So, you know, should we, should we push things further back to that age. I don't know. I think you're going to have a really hard time doing that. But, um, oh, yeah, but I think if people are more aware of things like that, then I think they'll, in their personal lives, make better decisions. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't want to... When I have kids, I want to parent my kid. But I don't want to parent my neighbor. So... It's just one of those strange things yeah. that uh, sometimes the government, for whatever reason, plays plays parent, and then at other times it's like, do what you want, drink as much as you want, it's all good. We're getting our we're getting our cut, so it's fine. So I don't know, man. This this went from an athletics discussion to <laughs> discussion <laughs> talking policy, man. So. But um, I mean, it's the same with uh, USADA and USAT. Like I've I've burned all my bridges at USAT at this point because they cannot seem to make decisions um, consistently. It just it blows my mind uh, how we're uh, USADA is we have to ban THC because WADA bans THC, but we don't mm -hmm. necessarily believe that THC should be banned, but we have to do it. And USDA is selling CBD at a discounted rate. If you, uh, USA Triathlon, not USA Today, USA Triathlon is selling CBD at a discounted rate, which they specifically state is not safe to take if you're expecting to have, ingest no THC. So, yeah. They're all how, how does that even make it? Yeah, the, the cognitive dissonance there is just like, uh, well, they're making money. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't. It doesn't matter to them. There's so many stuff in our society. I mean, the college football national championship game was last week, and you got a hundred million dollars in salaries standing on the fields between the coaches and the assistants, and the kids 
except in the state of California coming up, can't sign autographs and make money yeah. off of it. Great. Um, crazy. Yeah. crazy. And they got in trouble for smoking cigars or whatever? They got in trouble for, so an NFL player who went to LSU came into the locker room and started throwing out bills to the seniors or the people who were going to declare for the draft. Like, it doesn't matter now. You're not part of NCAA. So yeah, it's over. for this victory. So he was just outlandishly paying them in front of the camera and passing out cigars. And the NCAA is very unhappy, and they're going to have to discipline LSU for improper payments if a kid happened to pick up one of those dollar bills or whatever he, whatever denomination he was passing out off wow. the floor and put it in his pocket. So they're reviewing footage. They formed the committee. They're going to spend way more on this than they will ever consider paying a player. They're going to spend mm -hmm. all this money to try and figure out which players took money and how they're going to discipline them or if they're just going to look the other way this time. Um, wow. It's such an awful system. It's such an awful system. It's just a minor league system that the NFL gets for free. And mm -hmm. we get to watch. So we don't care. Yeah. But I they mean, get an education. Some of they them. They get a college credits. Like whenever somebody, and it's always, whenever somebody tells that to me, I had a friend tell me that the other day. I was like, okay, you make roughly 100K a year. Let's pay you in college credit. So you can take, at UCSB, that's like 30 credits. So you can take 30 credits of classes instead of mm -hmm. getting a salary from UCSB. Mm -hmm. Hell no. Like, no. Like, that'd be a terrible agreement on their part to just work full time so they can build up credits for their kids or for themselves to stay in school. Like they wouldn't do that, but I think at the core of it is people don't like that athletes are worth as much as they're worth. Mm. So it's kind of frustrating that somebody who is really good at throwing a ball is worth more than you and worth probably infinitely more in terms of salary than you are worth. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only reason payer players uh, in major sports don't get paid more is because the owners are really good negotiators when it comes time for the uh, CBAs or the union agreement. Mm -hmm. you know, I, mean, I think LeBron James is making like $35 million this year. If you just told any team that they could have LeBron James for a year, he's probably looking at like $150, $200 million. That like if they could just pay him anything, it was just a complete open market. Mm -hmm. um, and it frustrates people to think that he's, he can get that much money to play in games. But people will pay for those tickets. Like his, oh, yeah. his worth yeah. is there. Right? Cool prize. So it's crazy. Yeah. That is so crazy. But yeah, it's. Then the other thing is, uh, you know, like w graduating. Like, do do you have to graduate in the order to? So low. Like, um, my buddy John Robertson ran track at Baylor, and he was always telling me like they don't. Their intention is not to put you on a track to graduate. Their intention, especially with the elite or athletes, is to keep them passing. Mm -hmm. So they get through five or six years and they have a ton of credits, but none of them add up to a degree. And their scholarship is over in six, I think it's six years. Mm -hmm. six years to graduate. And they haven't amassed the credits, but they've taken nothing but in, because they've taken nothing but intro level courses. So they can mm -hmm. continue to pass and continue to play. I mean, it's a complete... Uh, it's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. We were at Baylor when, uh, if you Google Baylor football, 
we were at Baylor when that stuff was going down mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Yeah, I had no idea. I, I had, I had no idea it was that extreme. I had um, a guy who he ended up being a really good NFL player. He didn't come to a single one of this class. It was like sports psychology. Um, he didn't come to a single class until it was time for the final exam. And I guess he had to take the final exam to play in the bowl game. So it was the first year that we'd made a bowl game in forever. So I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting we were going to make it. And he just came in and cornered the teacher and threatened him until the teacher was just like, fuck it, and just gave him the exam. <laughs> he tried to make him leave. And this guy is the biggest human being I've ever seen. He was a defensive lineman um, for an NFL team for many years. Yeah. And he just got in his face and was like, what are you going to do about it? And the wow. teacher, I mean, I was scared. There's like an eight, 10 person class. It was a tiny class. All of us combined could not have saved this teacher. So, <laughs> You're on your own, Prof. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. That's crazy. That's makes me sad when I hear stories like that because there's, you know, like I was a student athlete and I I never got any special treatment and I never like if if yeah. I wanted to to do well like I was I was valedictorian seven of eight semesters like I, not valedictorian I was a uh, like honor roll like um I worked my butt off to get really good grades but I also had ambitions you know to continue yeah, to go to grad point, school and you say special treatment and I know you're gonna agree with me on this so I'm not picking on you. You say special treatment, but is it special treatment or are they getting the shaft by being treated this like long term? They're getting the shaft by being treated this way, that mm-hmm. they're so valuable that they can get away with this stuff. But we're not going to pay you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't make it to the NFL. You have no skills. All you've learned yeah. is that you're worth a lot, but you're not getting paid. Mm-hmm. So what did they get? Nothing. So they're the ones. Um, I have a large internal conflict with triathlon going NCAA because these jobs keep pop, pop opening up. I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to be an NCAA coach. And then I think, well, the kids I'm coaching and myself would be getting the benefit, all the benefits of the football team and the basketball team getting screwed. Those mm-hmm. players, yeah, they're getting a free education, but we've talked about this. A lot of them aren't. Mm-hmm. They're not getting any type of education that's worth anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's on their backs that I'm getting a salary because those programs support the other programs, you know? Yep. And yep. I'm, yeah, it's a great life to be an NCAA athlete or an NCAA coach. There's a lot of money in there, but it's being paid for by football and basketball. That, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. people that are very different from you largely come from very different backgrounds that we never have to interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, it's just a broken system. I mean, the argument that uh, men's track and field or women's track and field wouldn't exist without football is not enough to say, well, we can just have, we can just set aside the only class of workers in America, the only class of workers that can't get paid for what they do. They have to work this many hours, but they can't get paid for it. Those are the only mm-hmm. people in America. It's crazy, man. Yeah. I mean, you're you're required. If you're injured, you're still required to like go to a study hall or whatever to fulfill your commitment. Those are required hours. Yep. Can't get paid for. 
you're earning university money, but you can't get paid for it. Yeah, somebody's somebody's getting paid. Oh god, for, the highest your, state employee in like 48 of the states is the head football coach or a <laughs> football coach for a public university. I think it's 48 out of the states. That's um, crazy. The highest paid employee in uh, in California is UCLA. And then they're not even taking into account the private schools, which can often pay more or they will pay more because they don't report it. But mm-hmm. in Alabama, Nick Saban's making like $2 million a year. He's by far the highest paid public employee mm-hmm. in the state. And in a lot of states, second and third are the assistant coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness. Well, I know. We could, I think we could talk about this sort of thing forever. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but anyway, um, to kind of bring it back around, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your experience on, uh, on this topic, which is, um, yeah, we're, we're just scratching the surface. There's a whole lot more here that, um, you know. That people need to discuss, people need to to learn about, and um, hopefully this is, you know, a gateway into them learning more. Gateway to knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um, like last time, how can uh, how can people follow you and and contact you if they have questions or um, want to talk triathlon or want to. Discuss more of these things. Uh, Coach Matt, triathlon engineer on Instagram. Uh, probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is an Instagram DM. Uh, I can be found you through UCSB Triathlon's website. Uh, I have a joke. I'm thinking of becoming Professor Coach Matt, triathlon engineer, because I'm teaching a couple of classes as an adjunct this year. And nice. by teaching a couple of classes, I am uh, teaching swim. So Nice. Well, see, you'll be able to actually teach that, though. It's not just, oh, yeah, hey, yeah. get in the pool. Yeah. That'll be good. That's awesome, man. Alrighty, all well. That was this episode. Stay tuned for next week. I've got some really, really good stuff coming up. Um, a uh, gentleman who just qualified for the U.S. Olympic Trials in the Marathon will be joining us. At Houston? Sorry? Did he qualify at Houston? He did. Nice. He did. Yep, he went to the same school I did for undergrad. His name's Joe Nemec, so... That'll be a really good episode we've got coming up. Um, got some other really good ones coming up um, to discuss um, female hormonal changes throughout the female cycle. And are you going to get a room full of guys to discuss this? Or? No, no. I'm actually, I'm actually going to get someone who's quite competent, and she will, she will be educating us because I know absolutely nothing about it. So, um, but yeah, so should be good. So, alrighty, y'all. Um, see you next episode. Adios. Bye.